Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start the morning. Hello and welcome. Monday, February the 14th on the morning show with Preston Scott. That's Grant Allen over there in Studio 1A. I'm here in Studio 1B. That's Josh Groban singing God Bless America as we start the program. Show number 4639, day 391 of America Held Hostage. It is Valentine's Day. Get to uh, more on that in just a little bit. Our verse today, John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. I still think it's one of the best ways to keep our walk in its proper place. Would people know that you love Jesus by how you conduct yourself through the day. Would they know that? Simple as that. Anyway, good morning. Welcome. We've got Sal Nuzo in the final hour of the program. Sal, a little uh, under the weather, so he's going to phone it in today. But being the gamer that he is, he is going to still bring full content to the program. 
Got Dr. Joe Camps joining us next hour. Lots of things to talk about. Super Bowl happened yesterday. Did you watch any of the game? I did. Yeah. How much? All of it. Did you? Yeah. I was, yeah, I I was not interested at all at halftime. Was not interested at all at the commercials. Really? Yeah. I was very interested in the commercials. I wasn't, but I was, I enjoyed the football. There were some funny commercials. Were there? I, yes, I there truly, were. I didn't. Yeah, like I said, I, I paid no attention to him. I, yeah, yeah. I had a little problem. Uh, I dozed off during the halftime show and flipped over to something else. And I didn't really watch much of the game because I was primarily, you know, in bed. And uh, and so everything, whatever happened in the second quarter on, I was. Kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Kind of out. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know. You know, I, f- I found out who won when I woke up this morning. Um, That's typically what I do, but in this case, I caught myself watching it, and then I just kept watching it, and then I was like, eh. Yeah, full disclosure here, Packers had been playing, I'd be off today. <laughs> no, nah, I just, I would have been. I, I would not have, I would have taken the day off, but um, they weren't. I'm here. Much to talk about. I, I can't. I've got to find a way to verify my my guesses on the prop bet sheet. I just filled it out for fun. Didn't bet a thing. I want to know what the line was when the Mattress King of Cincinnati put $5 million on the Bengals to win. If he put money on the Bengals to win and the spread was what, it, what I think it was, he won the bet because the spread was four. So the Bengals would have won by one on the bet, and he would be sitting with about $16 million right now. Less government, you know. But, um, yeah, just I, who knows. But I'll figure all that out over the next few days, hopefully. Ten minutes after the hour. Listen just to hear what he's going to say next. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. I owe you. It dawned on me over the weekend. It's funny the things that you think about when you just start doing other things and stuff just pops into your mind. I ripped you off Friday. I did not give you a dad joke. Uh oh. So I owe you. I owe you a dad joke. Is that going to be the end of the show today? Probably not because I've got something far funnier (laughs) to end the program. And that's a woman at an Oxford debate. Oh, Lord, I saw this. Good heavens. And she is... uh... (laughs) What she's arguing is just too wonderful to behold. It just is. Probably the most preposterous thing you'll hear all week. Um, so here's, here's my dad joke. Why can you never find elephants when they hide in trees? Because they're so good at it. <laughs> Not the best. <laughs> I used to have a job collecting leaves. I was raking it in. Now that's a quintessential dad joke. That's it. That's it.
That's that's up there. That's spot on. That works. <laughs> All right. It's February the 14th. On this date in 1849, James Polk becomes the first president to be photographed in office. 1849. Boy, you had to be still for a minute there. You you had to be still. Uh, 1859, 10 years later, Oregon becomes the 33rd state. You wonder if, if we had it to do over again, would we, would we do it the same way? Would California and Oregon and Washington be states or would we just claim those territories as part of Arizona, Idaho, Colorado, Utah, not Colorado, Utah, I'm just because it just seems like such a waste. What's what's come of them? All of the beauty of the West Coast, which sadly now is the left coast. Really, not a lot to offer much anymore. Well, I mean, from a from a societal from, standpoint. Oh well, yeah, no kidding, and and that's a shame because there's some good folks stranded there. There are, yeah. Uh, Arizona becomes the 48th state in 1912 on this date. In 1946, the Electronic Numerical Integrator and Computer, the first general-purpose electronic computer, is unveiled at the University of Pennsylvania. Did you say 46? 1946. ENIAC is what it was called. 1962, millions tune in to watch First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy host the first televised tour of the White House. That's probably a big deal. Yeah, I think so. And then there's this. Fossils reveal that they've grown as a wildflower in America for more than 35 million years, if you believe that sort of thing. Uh, George Washington bred them, named a variety after his mother. The White House has a famous garden full of them, where presidents often welcome distinguished guests and heads of state. As Ronald Reagan once noted, we lavish them on our altars and our civil shrines. The final resting place of our honored dead. And of course, millions of people give them today, Valentine's Day. They are Americans' favorite flower the, the, and loved the world over for this reason and more. In 1986, Congress and President Reagan proclaimed the rose the national flower of the United States. How about that? Americans have always loved the flowers with which God decorates our land. More often than any other flower, we hold the rose dear as the symbol of life and love and devotion, of beauty and eternity, for the love of man and a woman, for the love of mankind and God, for the love of country, Americans who would speak the language of the heart do so with a rose. You know what? You couldn't say those words today. You could not. You would get blistered for saying for the love of a man and a woman. They'd be slamming him for not being more inclusive. WFLA on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. Yes! And iHeart's radio station. I have watched a little bit of the Olympics. Still don't know how they score curling. That was the one thing I watched. 
I've watched a few minutes of that. As soon as I think I understand it, something happens on the ice, and I am just clueless. Now, Sal Nuzo has actually had a chance at, at curling. He's participated. Yeah. He said it's awfully good fun. But he, he said, I have an advantage because I, I played bocce. Ah, yeah. And so I it's very similar to bocce. So scoring came a little... I, I'm just... I, normally, I'm... Yeah, I'm pretty adept at figuring stuff out like this, but curling? Kind of nah. got you stumped, huh? No. No, 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 no. And so it's actually kind of amazing that I'll watch it. That it doesn't cause disinterest? Well, I mean, why am I watching this? I don't know what's going on. What is this? <laughs> they're th- they're throwing things at each other. <laughs> And when I think I know why that person got a point, I don't really know because the next time someone got two, and I don't know why they got two. Yeah. And why don't they just throw the thing and blast all of them out of the circle and be the last one to throw and leave it in the scoring zone? Win. Yeah, I mean, that, those are the questions I ask myself <laughs> about curling. Okay, they've got this mass of all kinds of stones. Man, whip that thing down there. And <laughs> it's not bowling, though. <laughs> Why not? If the one that's supposed to get the points is the one that's the colored stone that's closest to the center, then you obliterate all of them, and you you leave it clear. They throw their last one, and then if you've got the hammer, which is the final th- stone, yeah. boom, just leave it there. Knock the other one out, leave it behind, you're done. You win. And all that other stuff, then you really give people something to look at. Watch this. <laughs> Whee! I mean, break stones, watch them crack, and, crack apart. That'd be fun. But the way it is now, I have no idea. But the event of the games for me happened with, I think it's called Mixed Snowboarding Cross. It, it uh, a male and female competitor. Yep. First the guys, then the gals go, and U.S. won gold with uh, maybe the oldest competitors on the team, a forty-year-old and a thirty-seven-year-old. That Lindsay Jacobellis. Yeah. She won a second gold medal. But it was just it was such a fun story to watch unfold. I'll talk about that maybe a little later in the week. I thought this was amazing. Real short version here. Long COVID apparently is when you are just still suffering from COVID after and symptoms of it months later. You're just still not tasting food. You're not smelling things right. Everything's just off. You're in a fog. I mean, there's just, and there are people that are suffering that. This is strictly anecdotal, but it is in the news. Two separate women, two different sets of, of, of circumstances and symptoms of COVID both helped by antihistamines. Both tried it almost accidentally. One, because she had a milk allergy and she accidentally ate some cheese uh-huh. and took an antihistamine and found that her brain fog cleared almost immediately. Wow. Went off of it after the allergy subsided, found the fog coming back, then went back to the antihistamine because she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And the fog went away again. Huh. 
separate another woman same thing one of them they think is one of the first covid patients in the united states oh really yeah and so this is again strictly anecdotal but just over-the-counter antihistamines and one of them is used by both of them um diphenhydramine diphenhydramine hydramine is and i'm guessing it's an over-the-counter type thing if you look at the ingredients I don't know which brand it is. Um, others using that and something else. But if you know somebody's struggling, doctors don't know what to do. You know, I, I know that there are some alternative medicine people that are having success using nutrients and very targeted things, but that's been the case all along. Um, alternative medicine people using nutrients to help people. Um, but that's something like we talk about with Dr. David Hartz, Dr. Matthew Zademan and those segments. But uh, just something for you to keep in mind in case you want to try something. 27 after the hour. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to the MAD Radio Network, where we challenge you to make a difference in your world in a positive way, improving the lives of others. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. All right, so it's diphenhydramine. Diphenhydramine. There we go. Sorry. Got oatmeal stuck in my mouth. Um, and I'm going to, I'm finishing this last spoon. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let this just sit and get cold and then it's gross. Go. Benadryl. But you should know, Benadryl makes you sleepy. Can make you sleepy. So, and I'm not saying do it. I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is the results of a couple folks. Totally anecdotal. But enough to get their doctor's attention. And they've, you know, for one, added another prescription of something else. And so anyway, I'm just saying... You, you can find ways to address this because doctors, and, and, and it's so funny, 
not all, but how so many doctors so certain you need to just get the vaccine. And they don't know crap about it. They don't know. They don't know how to treat long COVID. Oh, oh. Hmm. Yeah, boy, you got long COVID. Hmm. Well, let me know if I can help. <laughs> right? I mean, frustrating. Very frustrating. But um, anyway, yeah, thanks for everybody. Apparently, UF got Ed wrote in, said UF did a study on it regarding COVID prevention. Can't stop COVID. It's a coronavirus. It was just, and I'm all for, let's go ahead and study how to mitigate it. That's fine. And if, and if the shots is what you want to try to do to do it, i just soon go another route myself. But anyway, that's not the big story in the press box. Big story in the press box is this. I'm putting this on your radar. Do you watch? Hillary's going to run. And the effort is underway to try to rehab her image. And it will be fascinating to watch the extreme illiberal left go nuts because no one likes her. Democrats don't like her. I mean, to be honest with you, her own husband doesn't like her very much. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, and and this is a flaw in, in Bill. But I mean, look how he's lived his life, for Pete's sake. Is his name coming up with Ghislaine Maxwell? Since she's decided she's allegedly going to name names? But the uh, the Durham investigation into Hillary's role in the whole Trump-Russia collusion hoax. John Durham, special counsel, still being allowed to work, though the Attorney General Merrick Garland said he can end the investigation anytime he chooses. So that's not good. But... Um, He's filed a motion February 11th, which contained a lot of interesting information. What I want to put in front of you and make sure you understand is that Hillary Clinton's campaign paid for the alleged Steele dossier. And I say alleged because it, 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 no, it was full of lies. It, there was nothing confirmed in it. She paid for this. The Democrat National Committee paid for this. This is all on them. Jim Jordan rightfully, I think last week, asked Adam Schiff for his witness. Pointing out he still has not provided it. Because they're going to try and drag this out all over again, which is why 2022 is so crucial. So crucial. But just pay attention, the effort to rehab Hillary is underway. New mayor of Realville, it's the morning show with Preston Scott. All right, this is as safe a harbor as, as I can provide on this show. But even within the safe harbor of the early hour, I'm going to be very careful in what I talk about and how I talk about it here and what's amazing is I'm talking about a guy who's got a job with the Department of Energy 
Why would I have to be careful talking about that? Because, in my opinion, he's a sexual deviant. And normally, I'm the guy that's like, yeah, whatever. You live your life behind closed doors. As long as you don't break any laws, that's your business, right? Except in this case, this is different. And I have probably had at least a couple dozen emails saying, have you seen this? With all different kinds of horror emojis and unreal kind of expressions. Guy's name is Sam Brinton. He's an MIT graduate who is now the deputy director inside the Department of Energy with the spent fuel and waste disposition. It's an important role. But what matters is this guy is what's called a pup handler. And I had to look all this up. And, I, and I'm going to get to, I'm going to bring it in for a landing. No engines on fire here. <laughs> I can't believe what we're talking about. A pup handler is a gay male who is the handler of other gay men who are submissive and act as puppies and dress as dogs. They dress as puppies. Are these the lying dog-faced pony soldiers Biden warned us about? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) What matters is that Brinton is openly advocating and discussing this stuff. He talks about, he gives interviews about his sexual exploits and how uh, let, let's let's borrow from his website here, and and again, I'm I'm going to be restrained in what I share with you. You might not expect a nuclear engineer graduate from MIT to be strolling through the White House in stilettos, but that is part of the reason Sam does it. Having a chat on preconceptions is right up their alley. Whether it's on technical topics or social issues like supporting LGBTQ. Survivors on conversion therapy, Sam is always willing to have a tough conversation with an open mind. His goal is to bring his deviant lifestyle into the halls of the White House and Washington, D.C. And in fact, he's one of the spokesmen for the Trevor Project. And the Trevor Project is a project that engages in making you use their preferred pronouns. I will not do it. I will never do that. I will never participate, as Matt Walsh describes, in their own self-delusion. They have every right to self-identify. You have every right to whatever pronouns you want, but you do not have any right or expectation for anyone else to use them. You just don't. Doesn't work that way. We assign pronouns at birth. DNA determines what it is, male or female. That's the way it is. And I'm sorry, Bruce Jenner is... You know, he can call himself Caitlin, have all the surgeries he wants. He's still a guy. Dude Thomas, the swimmer for Penn, is still a guy. He's a dude. I mean, Sam Brinton, uh, the issue isn't what goes on behind closed doors because he has chosen to take what goes on behind closed doors and talk about it and give interviews and be overt. And you watch as uh, a, a writer by the name of Rod Dreher writes, I think for the American Conservative perhaps, where he's editor-in-chief, he said, in essence, he is going to be bringing his his personal pronouns 
to the halls of Washington, D.C. and the Department of Energy, and anybody who does not address him the way that he chooses, he will make a deal of it. So this is the kind of guy that, that Joe Biden wants in, the, in and around the White House and in the Department of Energy and in Washington, D.C. This is, this is who they've chosen. You do what you want with it, but I will not be talking about it again. His job to keep you informed. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Not sure if you noticed, but um, rehab is underway everywhere you can. I mean, Biden's numbers are so bad. And it seems as though as they go bad and then from bad to worse and from worse to horrid, he's snapping at reporters left and right. They, they just need to not allow him out in public. I mean, it's just, it's just bad. And um, we are compromised at every turn as a country because he's in the Oval Office. And you do have to step back at some point, all of you, you have to step back and wonder, okay, so who is running things? He's not capable. He just isn't. So who is? Well, I've told you all along. I, I, I knew when Barack Obama did not leave Washington after his term in office that he was going to do everything possible to make things difficult for Trump and, of course, Hillary played right into that beautifully because she's so determined to be president. She thinks she's owed it. You know, the, I think there's, a, there's an important reason to remember she stayed with Bill. And I believe she stayed with Bill believing that her time would come for the field to be cleared and for her to become president. And she feels as though she was ripped off. That's, to me, the only reason why she stayed with Bill. Too much political capital, because Bill was still, for all of Bill's personal indiscretions, he's sort of the presidential version of Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King, very accomplished as a civil rights leader. As a husband, not so much. That's just a factual statement. Bill Clinton, I mean... By comparison to what we're seeing today and then what happened under Obama, he was a really good president, all things considered, but he was a rotten person and a horrible husband. So, right now the mainstream media doing everything possible. Uh, did, did, did the job numbers just cause you to go, wait, what? And you might not be paying attention to it. But ABC News and CNN and CNBC, everybody was just crowing. Look at that, 467,000 jobs. Yes. But every expert guess leading into it was we were going to see a massive job loss with the latest jobs report. There's a seasonal part to that, and that is it's post-holidays. And that's what you expect to see. Uh, part-time workers hired for the holidays lose their jobs and off we go bureau of labor comes out with this four hundred and sixty-seven thousand job increase and and people are like wait what how did everybody get it wrong so while they're crowing 
Wall Street Journal releases a different take on it, quoting, who knows what to make of Friday's report on January jobs? The employer's survey showed a blowout of 467,000 net new jobs for the month, but the numbers were skewed by major Labor Department revisions for the U.S. population and civil employment. By the way, that's an old trick, and I'll get to that in a second. In the journal, it says without those changes, the, number, the jobs number would have declined. Add the complexities of adjusting for winter, winter weather, COVID's Omicron variant, and no one should take too much or make too much of this one monthly report. The news is more troubling for the Federal Reserve, which has to make sense of these numbers as central bankers try to figure out how much to raise interest rates in March. The magnitude and breadth of the wage gains suggest that inflation is going to be stickier than optimists hope. You may not remember this, but almost immediately after Joe Biden took office, they changed the calculation on the on the unemployment numbers. And they went backwards, revising the numbers some 40 or 50 years to make it look as though they weren't doing anything different. But they went back and changed calculations on how jobless numbers are, are handled. I mean, the, the, the equivalent is to cheat in a football game and go back 30 years and do the same thing and change everybody's record. Oh, sorry. If this had been in play back then, this is what the numbers would have been. These are what the stats would have been. Except it doesn't work that way. That's why what you're seeing doesn't add up. You're seeing help wanted signs everywhere. And yet the Biden administration is claiming we're approaching full employment. That's just not possible. All right, come back with the hour number two of the morning show with Preston Scott. Okay, here we go. It's hour number two of the morning show with Preston Scott. Great to be with you this morning. As we... Uh, Put to rest the 2021 football season with the 2022 Super Bowl. Los Angeles Rams win a Super Bowl. Matt Stafford gets his elusive day in the spotlight, despite, in my opinion, not playing particularly well. What was your assessment of Mr. Stafford's play? Well, he did just enough to get the job done. That final drive. How many know. picks did he end up throwing? Two, three, two. two? Yeah. Okay. I I'm still tracking down results to the prop bet sheet that I filled out, but um, I did expect Cooper Cup to be exactly what he was, unstoppable. Yeah. Um, he's just an exceptionally good wide receiver. But um, Cincinnati just didn't get enough done. Now, did Joe throw some picks, Joe Burrow? I th I'm fairly certain he might have. I can pull up the box score. Super Bowl halftime show. Eminem taking a knee. Did anyone care? I mean, honestly, he brought out a song that's so old, I even knew it. I mean, that, that just speaks to the irrelevance of Eminem these days. 
He, he, he wasn't doing any new hit. And it was a lot of that. There were a lot of acts that were, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the most relevant new part of the halftime show is a guy named Kendrick Lamar, and he's just a foul-mouthed little brat. I mean, I just, I'm not a fan of the, the vulgar rap world. I just, I think you can be really good as a rapper and not delve into dropping F-bombs every other word. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just not in with that. And so, you know, that, that was irrelevant to me. But I, I noticed that Eminem apparently took a knee at the end of his set while the camera moved on to the next scene with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, I guess. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I personally think, I guess he was protesting something. The NFL knew he was going to take a knee at the end. And as I look at, and, and I pulled up and looked at just how it all unfolded, I'm thinking, no one knew you were protesting, bro. What? It's halftime. Well, it's what? the end of your set. You, you did one song. You're done. You're out. Over. You took a bow. Okay. You took a knee. It looked to me like a theatrical way to end his set and give way to the next set because it was a progressive set, one to the other to the other to the right. other. And I and so if your if your point was to make a point, brother, you missed it. <laughs> Cuz it was like whatever. Oh, he's done. Burrow did not throw a pick. Okay. So, had a higher quarterback rating than Stafford though. Yeah, I thought he might. Um there are a lot of things I want to unpack about that game, but I'll be curious to see what the numbers are. I would have been more interested in the commercials. You know, the little bit that I watched of the game, I was far more interested in the commercials. I was playing a video game on my phone when the game was going on. I was playing Best Fiends. I, I, what is I, that? Best Fiends? Oh, it's the best. That's just an, that. No, really, it is. it is a huge game and it has been and it's huh. really fun never heard of it yeah best fiends it's it's fun it's about bugs and slugs it's it's good man i'm out of it yeah no you need to you need to get down with with some best fiends <laughs> you you really do it's a very good game and you don't need to be on wi-fi to, to run the thing if you're locked on your airplane and you're shut down with no wi-fi or if you're somewhere where you can't run wi-fi pff, no problem no digital signal pff, no problem the game's great but um but the commercials were interesting to me. There were some very fun commercials. There were some bad ones. You know, there always are. There was some, and I'm thinking to myself, you spent how much for that? Oh, boy, someone's going to have a word with accounting. You know, or the, the PR department on that decision. Back with more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Come to MAD Radio Network, where we challenge you to make a difference. And this is The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Okay, a few things here about, again, about Super Bowl aftermath and then something going on in the Olympics that I'm just totally puzzled by. I, if someone can figure out why sports governing bodies are as patently foolish as they are, I'm all ears. I can't figure this out, but we'll get to that in a second. There is some discussion before the game that Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, could step down and retire. The same is true of Matt Stafford, the quarterback, and defensive Adonis Aaron Donald. That there's a possibility that they could all walk away. Well, that would be something. McVay apparently is engaged and set to be married and has discussed the possibility of just making a change and being able to spend more time. He wants to have a family, et cetera. And I guess if you just want to go out on top, it would be an interesting move, and my prediction would be that if he does it, it's because he's got a massive contract sitting waiting for him doing television. That McVeigh would be one of the key analysts for one of the networks, whether it's, you know, Fox or CBS or NBC or ESPN, he would be like the guy. And I could see him taking Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football is the weakest set of announcers. Steve Levy does a decent job, but Brian Greasy and um, the other gentleman whose name escapes me, uh, Lewis Riddick, I think it is. Um, they're replaceable if you get a guy like McVay. They, ju- they just are. And so that's an interesting prospect for him to walk away, Super Bowl winner, because he's so young. He can do TV for 10 years, get his family started, and come back to coaching. He will be coveted if he decides to come back to coaching. There are people still want Bill Cowher off the desk at CBS. And, and returning to the sidelines. So that's one thing. Would he, Stafford, and Donald walk into the sun, sunset? I, I just... Stafford, I could understand because, honest and truly, they were lucky to be there. They were. They were very lucky to, to make it to the game, and I just don't see that happening again. Plus, he led the league in interceptions. A lot of people don't know that. He led the NFL in interceptions. Yeah, that's an oft-forgot detail. Yeah, he just he's he's loose with the football. Always has been. One of the one of the problems, the bigger problem though, playing in Detroit. But then there's this story. So Super Bowl done. See you later. I'm putting back on my Green Bay gear because now the season's over. I can look ahead. And all of the drama in Green Bay will be settled by mid March, so I'll know what's going on and I can, 
you know, cry and get it over with or or go, oh, here we go. Because I, I just have great confidence in my team. But at any rate, what's with this? Apparently, Camilla Valueva is the best women's figure skater people that watch the sport say ever. She, at the age of 15, is the best they've ever seen. And I mean, respected voices in the in the world of figure skating say she is amazing. Well, she was apparently in a bit of a cloud for some kind of drugging during the team competition. And though she's cleared, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, says, and I quote, in the interest of the fairness to all athletes, there will be no medal ceremony if if Russian teenager Camilla Valieva places in the top three in the women's individual figure skating competition. The IOC will organize dignified medal ceremonies once the case of Ms. Valieva has been concluded. So she's cleared to compete despite failing a pre-games drug test. And so she gets a shot at a second gold medal, but yet you're not going to do a ceremony? Why? She's either cleared to compete, and if she is, then she deserves the ceremony if she wins, right? If not, then why is she being allowed to compete? Man, talk about trouble. The International Olympic Committee, between its whole transgender position and now stuff like this, it's already the Russian organizing committee or Olympic committee because they can't compete as Russia because they cheated. They've been doping their athletes. Man, I, I don't get any of it. UFLA on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. Hey, so here we go. An iHeartRadio station. 21 minutes after the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. I'm Preston. That's Grant. Great to be with you this morning. Joe Camps, just a little bit. Healthy expectations. Final hour. Sal Nuzo legislative update. We're at that part of the session where if it's not moving along, it's likely not going to unless somebody takes action. Unless the governor makes a big deal of it or the Senate president or the Speaker of the House does something, attaches a bill to another bill, if it's not out there now, it's not going to happen. So we'll kind of get an update on what's what's going on with the session in a little bit with Sal Nuzo, who will join us via phone today. Do you know the story of Enos Cantor? His legal name now is Enos Cantor Freedom. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's originally from Turkey. He is. His story is interesting. Because he has now found himself out of a job and out of the league. He is no longer in the NBA. He's not a starter or a star, but he's a serviceable player that is capable of being a good bench person. Clearly a high-integrity guy. Been in the league for about, gosh, going on 10 years, or at least was, so, you know, he made a nice career for, his, for himself. You, you look at a lot of the guys that are on rosters, he certainly would belong on a roster. Yeah. 
But he finds himself having been traded last week to Houston, and then the Rockets immediately waved him out of the league. Now, that happens. Players, you know, it's like, okay, we'll take this guy for this guy, and we'll throw in that guy. And they're like, yeah, whatever, you can send him, but we're not, we don't want him. That happens. But there's something a little deeper on this one. Enos Cantor Freedom, he changed his last name to Freedom, legally, after becoming a United States citizen, is an outspoken critic of China and an outspoken critic of those players and entities doing business in China because of the Uyghurs that are citizens of China that, I mean, we say never again, and there are concentration camps in China. And this group of Muslims are being put to death. And you have to wonder why people aren't talking about it more. It certainly was a big bone of contention for China hosting the Olympics. Xi decided to thumb his nose at it all by putting a, a, a Uyghur athlete as a torchbearer in the opening ceremony just to say, see, what are you talking about? See, that's a Uyghur right there. It was, that's, that is all showmanship for TV and world publicity. So Canner is, is shown wearing shoes because, you know, the NBA allows messaging on their shoes occasionally. And so he's wearing a shoe that says free Tibet. I mean, he's, he's just, he's promoting things. He had once challenge LeBron James to sit down and talk with him privately, Bron Bron has no interest in talking to him. Because LeBron has financial interests in China. And his social consciousness only goes so far, apparently. So this is, uh, this is, this is Enos Kanter saying, they said, we are begging you to take off those shoes. He responded, go tell your boss, whoever it is, Commissioner Silver, Celtics owner, whoever you're talking to, I'm not taking my shoes off. I don't care if I get banned or if I get fined. That game was right before my citizenship test, and I was getting ready for it. There are 27 amendments. My First Amendment right is freedom of speech. I didn't want to take them. I didn't want them to take that away from me. So they traded him. They sat him. They benched him. They wouldn't play him. Apparently, China wouldn't air any of the Boston Celtic games because of his position. So the NBA continues to cherry-pick its social issues and be wrong about all of them. It's, it's, it's the darndest thing we're seeing in, the, in America today. It really is. And if you don't know the story of Enos Cantor Freedom, I just challenge you to follow it because you're not going to get the mainstream media to do it for you. You're going to have to find alternate sources to follow the story. Morning Show with Preston Scott. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. On WFLA. Oh, mercy. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job today making sense of some of the things we're talking about. I, I, it's frustrating. 
because this should be so in the rearview mirror. I mean, honestly, Hillary Clinton should probably be in prison. And she's she's ginning up to run again for president. She feels that it is her office. There's a there's a joke that's been around for a long time that basically ends with the punchline of Hillary standing before God and saying, "You sir are in my chair." <laughs> I feel like that would actually happen. Here's the latest. You might not remember the tweets from 2016 when Hillary was running for president against Donald Trump. And the polling was showing that Trump actually had a chance to win. And she could not have that. So she engaged in Watergate-esque if not worse, because she orchestrated, as opposed to breaking in and trying to steal documents, she engaged in what I think would be fairly described as a criminal enterprise. In 2016, in October, just before the election, computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. It's a statement from her campaign senior policy advisor, Jake Sullivan, who now serves Biden's White House as national security advisor. Isn't that fun how that worked out? Special counsel John Durham is alleging that lawyers from her campaign had paid to infiltrate servers belonging to Trump Tower, later the White House, in order to establish an 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 inference and narrative to bring the government agencies linking Trump to, to Russia. In other words, they just tried to throw mud out there and see if anyone would take the bait. Sullivan goes on to say in the wake of the tweets by Clinton at the time that this is the most direct link between Donald Trump and Moscow, blah, 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 blah. In a second tweet, later that day, Clinton puts out that it's time for Trump to answer serious questions about his ties to Russia. By the way, did you know that Trump might have put the most severe sanctions ever on Russia? But that doesn't matter. What matters is what people are alleging. And so over the weekend, dissected were the special filings by John Durham from February 11th, which revealed that Clinton campaign lawyers worked with a technology company and assembled and conveyed allegations about Trump ties to Russia to present to the FBI and a second federal government agency. The motion on February 11th focused on potential conflicts of interest related to the representation of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, who has been charged with making false statements to a federal agent. Sussman's pled not guilty. The indictment against Sussman says he told then-FBI General Counsel James Baker in September 2016, less than two months before the election, that he was not doing any work for a client, any client, when he requested and held a meeting in which he presented purported data and white papers that allegedly demonstrated covert communications channel between Trump and Alpha Bank, which has ties to the Kremlin. 
However, in the factual background of the filing, it reveals that Sussman, quoting, had assembled and conveyed the allegations to the FBI on behalf of at least two specific clients, including a technology executive, Tech One, and a U.S.-based internet company, Internet Company One, and the Clinton campaign. Durham's filing said Sussman's billing records reflect that he repeatedly billed the Clinton campaign for his work on the Russian bank allegations. We already know by fact that Clinton's campaign paid for the Steele dossier along with the Democrat National Committee. That in and of itself should have discredited all of it. But what we had was four years of Adam Schiff and the little dude from, uh, from The Incredibles making accusations, claiming they had smoking gun evidence and witnesses and never producing any of it. Hillary Clinton engaged in one of the dirtiest campaigns since Richard Nixon, if not dirtier than. And she wants to run for president. And Beck, you want him on that radio. America can handle the truth. You need him on that radio. Nine to noon on WFLA. 41 minutes after the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. Let me remind you, it's Valentine's Day. Dudes... Listen to me now. I don't care what she says. Bring something home. Something. You don't need to get me. No, 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 no. Something. A single rose with a card, a little box of chocolates, a bunch of rose, whatever. Something. That's all I'm saying. Healthy expectations on Valentine's Day could revolve around you doing something. We're joined by Dr. Joe Camps. Good morning, Dr. Camps. Well, I was thinking about it, Preston, and um, years ago I was really busy in my residency and I forgot Valentine's Day. Uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You would have thought I had done something really, really wrong. But, uh, boy, my wife didn't speak to me for, like, all day and I got home and it was it was awful. So, so don't you think I gave great advice? You just gave the most that was the best <laughs> advice you could give anybody. And um you so so do something. So my wife happens to be out of town with our grandchildren up in uh Pennsylvania. So I texted her this morning and said Happy Valentine's Day and you know, I wanted to share something. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, And, you know, it was a verse that we used when we got married, but it talked about love. Yeah. I don't know if I have ever found a more appropriate uh, verse to just display uh, where we are in the world today. Um, I think this messaging is is spot on. It says, love is patient. Uh, Love is kind. It does not envy. Uh, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Boy, that that's a strong one. But rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hope, always persevere. Love never fails. And, you know... I think that messaging is so much applicable to so many things today. And 
maybe in addition to celebrating, um, you know, Valentine's Day in a traditional way, you can think about that word love and, and have a deeper meaning. Uh, I think it's something that's much needed uh, uh, right here in Tallahassee, in the state of Florida, in the United States, and in the world. Um, we seem to have lost our way, and maybe um, this might be uh, something that helps someone along the way today. I hope it does. But certainly uh, the message in here uh, has been very near and dear to me, and and this really works. This is one of the more action items I've ever dealt with in my life, and love has a, a deeper meaning uh, than just roses and, and candy and that kind of thing, although that's important, and I agree you need to recognize that, but maybe take some time and, and give this some deeper thought, uh, and it might uh, be very beneficial for you. Well, you know, I was just going to say, I would bet that in the, in the span of your many years in practice, Dr. Camps, you have found that the healthier people are people with kind dispositions and loving hearts? No question about it. And, uh, you know, it's something that, that you can't buy. Uh, it's something that has to come from within. And, and maybe uh, it's it's time for some of us to even rethink this. I mean, you know, sometimes you can, can deviate from what you really mean, but give it some thought. Uh, but, Preston, I think that this is one of the better definitions of love that I've ever found. And I've, I've tried to put it into practice, not always perfect, but uh, certainly this type of love never fails. It's a good checklist. All right, my friend. Thank you. Have you. a great week. You All do right, the same. Buddy. All right, Dr. Joe Camps with us. Healthy expectations. We'll be back with Joe in a couple of weeks because we're off next Monday for President's Day. But uh, it's 46 minutes after the hour in the morning show with Preston Scott. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to MAD Radio Network. Make a difference, Radio Network. And this is The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Difficult Olympic ratings is how NBC is describing it. Complicated relationship that China has with the rest of the world. Oh, that's what you call it, huh? And didn't they send Mike Tirico home because he said something about China? And then NBC was like, bye. Did I read that right? 
I thought he came back in order to cover the Super Bowl. Uh, for the Super Bowl coverage, but maybe there's something more to it. I thought there was a possible tie-in because he might have been uh, alluding to or outright said something about China's human rights. History. Well, Janet Guthrie brought that up, and it shocked me. And that is that her name, Savannah Guthrie. Sorry, Janet Guthrie's a drag car racer, race car driver, or something. Yeah, she was like the first indie driver. Sorry about that. Savannah Guthrie, I think, is her name with NBC. I think she brought up, and I was shocked. Why are you talking about this? You are like chief apologist for this stuff. Anyway, in the in the opening ceremony, I was actually somewhat surprised by how often they brought up questions. You know, questions about the the human rights issues inside of China and so forth. Um you know, it, obviously the the venues, uh all the athletes in masks, you know, it's just it's silliness. It it is. It's just silliness. People being disqualified, the treatment of athletes that are allegedly sick, um, which some call borderline starvation because they're not getting adequate nutrition. Um, Communism, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, according to uh, ABC Sports Chair, NBC Sports Chairman Pete Bavacqua, for us it's been difficult in a way around this. In fact, we've been able to bring these games to life during a pandemic with only a six-month window between the two Olympics. Uh, the ratings are, of course... We always want to have ratings better, but the ratings for these games, I said, are about where we thought they'd be. No, they're not. No, they're not. Uh, they're 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 way down. Um, and it's and it's bad. But I'm going to tell you the bigger problem that they're facing, because I think deep down, most of us realize that most of these athletes are victimized by all of this. I feel bad for the American athletes. I feel bad for the athletes of, of all the countries. I feel bad for the athletes of China. Hey, they can't have fun. They've got a proverbial or possibly a literal gun pointed to their head. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the joke by the Babylon Bee about the Chinese figure skater having dots on his head from lasers. I mean, that you know. Don't slip. Uh, uh, you must bow deeper. <laughs> President G's box is right there, but it's empty. But his box is there. Die, die, <laughs> bow deeper. Um, I just think the coverage has been bad. Not the individual event coverage. They've done fine. I mean, look, even Johnny Weir, as strange as that guy is, they minimize his time on camera, and as an analyst, he does a very good job. If they didn't show him on camera, I'd be elated because I don't care how weird he looks. He does a good job as an analyst because he's a former U.S. figure skating champion or, you know, placed in the Olympics or something. I mean, he was good. So I, I think he's he's done a fine job when I've, when I've watched that. Their, their broadcasters are doing their jobs very well. They know their sports. The experts that they have are former Olympians that know their sport. The problem is the coverage is just bad. You don't know when you're really watching something live or not. Yeah. And then you see repeats of things that you thought you, wait, what, what's, what am I, what, I thought I saw, did I see this? And so you just, you're left confused. And I think people just go off, click, done. And it's a shame because as I said, there have been some really good moments, even for people that are not Americans that I step back and go good for you. 
watched a guy set a world record in uh, speed skating, and it was impressive. It's just impressive. You know, you just you you watch athletes of any ethnicity of any country uh, do what they do well. It's beautiful to watch. It really is, and it's a shame that they brought these games to a communist country like China. Honestly, that's the shame of it all. Back with hour three. After the hour, it is hour number three of the morning show with Preston Scott. Great to be with you this morning. I'm Preston. That's Grant. It is Monday, February the 14th. Remember, get your sweethearts, Valentine's, and I'm talking about like your daughters, if you have little boys. I'm not a big fan of, of getting older guys, Valentine's, like my older sons. That's something I leave for my wife to do. I'm all about dads and daughters and then little, like, grandsons and little little sons, young guys, elementary school age and younger, okay? But that's just me. But make sure your sweetheart, get that covered. Do not forget. I don't care what she says. I don't care what he said. Do something. I, and I, yeah, I say I don't care what he says. There are not a lot of guys that will get all upset about it. But if you give him something and, 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 dude, you get something from your wife and you don't have something ready, you're in trouble. That's all I'm going to say. You're in trouble. All right. Joining us, as he does on Mondays during the session each and every Monday, Sal Nuzzo with the James Madison Institute. And Sal, a little bit under the weather today. How are you, Sickness? I'm doing well. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for not bringing the crap in here. Uh, it is my pleasure to keep you uh, free from whatever is infecting me. You still running a fever? Uh, no, no, the fever broke, but uh, still got a little bit of the crud in the uh, in the vocal cords, but yeah. feeling feeling much better. Well, let's get to it. The governor, what what went on the last week with the governor? We ought to be paying attention to. Sure, the uh, Supreme Court denied an advisory opinion on his question about Congressional District Five, which is that snaking congressional district for Al Lawson that goes from Jacksonville to Tallahassee. Now, I think it's important to distinguish what this is and what it isn't. Which they Supreme Which this, Supreme Court, the state or the federal? The state. The okay. State. So they did not say that the governor was wrong. All they said was they did not have enough information or time to render that opinion at present. And so they have left it up to the legislature and the governor to kind of hash this out. Uh, and as we've talked about in prior segments, uh, in prior weeks, uh, the Senate kind of um, pushed back against the governor's request to make that district uh, less of a gerrymandered district. And so the Senate has passed a congressional map that largely preserves uh, Al Lawson's congressional district as is. The House has released a draft map that largely preserves that congressional district as is. But on Thursday, the governor dropped the veto threat. Uh, he said uh, unequivocally he would veto any map that did not address Congressional District 5 as what he calls an unconstitutional gerrymander. So that is a very important development in kind of the reapportionment part. It impacts who uh, will represent you in Congress. And so kind of paying attention to 
how this is going to play out if he does, in fact, veto it, what the override possibilities would be, and kind of going from there. What about the budgeting process? Where are we there? Uh, he's also spreading out the, the bully pulpit of a little bit on the, on the budget process. Uh, both the House and the Senate will vote through their budgets uh, this week, and that'll trigger the conference committee, which is made up of members of the House and the Senate. But on a budget bill that was moving through the Appropriations Committee, and it was related to something, you know, kind of just wonky about preference over water rights in South Florida, kind of the battle between farmers and environmental concerns, uh, it passed its committee, and the governor had issued a press statement saying that the South Florida Water Management District wasn't consulted on this, and as a result, it negatively impact all of the existing plans that they have in place for Everglades conservation. Now, those plans go back 20 years. Um, this prompted the Senate president. He issued his own press statement saying, quote, no member is required to consult a bureaucrat before filing a bill. So it is getting a bit tense in week five and, uh, you know, never dull. Nice. Sal Nuzzo with us this morning via phone from the James Madison Institute, where he is vice president of policy. And that's right now the wheelhouse of what we're dealing with with the legislature, policy. What's going what's gonna to happen? What's going to become law? What isn't? More on the legislature itself next on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Always looking for the truth. It's the morning show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Joined by a phone line by Sal News of the James Madison Institute. He is our legislative expert as we look at what's going on in the session, which impacts all of you listening inside the Sunshine State. What are the big stories in the legislature right now? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A couple of things. Uh, the extension of COVID liability protections for healthcare workers was sent to the governor, and he's largely expected to uh, to sign that. It extends it out another, I think, three years. But very little else has made it through both chambers and onto the governor's desk. Uh, so still waiting for that dam to break and kind of uh, things to kind of make it all the way uh, through. Uh, but I do expect uh, the special order calendars of the Senate and the House this week to, uh, to kind of uh, – get that going. Uh, Sal, can I ask you one question about yep. that? The extension of COVID liability protections for healthcare workers. Um, what exactly is that doing? What it does is it, it, they had passed this, uh, I believe it was last session, and it, it, it provides a layer of protection against litigation for healthcare workers who are adhering to CDC guidelines at the time uh, when dealing with COVID, uh, COVID patients. And so it's a protection against frivolous litigation. Uh, it's something that a number of states have implemented uh, over the course of the last two years. Uh, and they separated out the healthcare workers versus everybody else 
thinking that uh, the healthcare workers would only need a year of protection because of the uh, the, the nature of the virus. And so uh, this was uh, something that they wanted to extend out another couple of years. Mm. All right. There's more to talk about there, but let's move on to the budget. We can dive into that a little bit more as it, as it moves. But uh, something very important for uh, listeners in Leon County, during the House budget hearing, Representative Randy Fine uh, proposed a measure to dock a collective $200 million from the pay of administrators that make more than $100,000 annually in 12 specific school districts that defy the laws and regulations on COVID and to use those dollars to boost funding for the remaining 55 districts. Why this is important is that Leon County is one of those 12 districts. And I don't know if this makes it through the final process. I don't know if it's largely a PR thing from Representative Fine to kind of call attention to the fact that school districts defy the law. Yeah, I don't know if it's, you know, uh, if it's going to make it, but it's something definitely paying attention to. Boy, I, I, I understand it, but I don't know how you make the argument that's not hurting the ones that it's supposed to help, i.e. students. Yeah, like I said, I'm not sure the the impetus for it, how much steam it's got, but it popped up uh, last week, and and I had not heard anything on it until I saw it, and uh, just kind of uh, took me by surprise. Some other activity, and and of course, one house bill in particular dealing with school board salary caught my eye. Yeah, 1467 from Sam Garrison. Uh, It it was a school board salary bill that was going to zero out school board members' salaries so that they were volunteer. They amended it to make it an eight-year term limit instead. So the full House passed it 78 to 40. The Senate is taking it up. And so I do expect this to to move on to the governor's desk eventually. Uh, It's something where uh, it's gone back and forth even as far back as I think 2017 uh, when they were considering a constitutional amendment for term limits on school board members. So it's something that the legislature has been going back and forth on for, for a while. How does that, uh, how does that handle, how does that handle a member of the school board that is in office? Is there a new eight years starting from this point yes. forward? Yes. The clock starts when the bill is signed. So the election after, if the bill is signed and enacted, the clock starts, so anybody currently in office would have eight years from that point. Yeah. Okay, next. All right, HB9 from Representative McFarland. This is going to be a very contentious one. It's the data privacy bill. It made it through its committee hearing unanimously, but there was a ton of testimony in opposition, and they center on three specific things in the bill. One is that this is a federal issue and not something that states should be taking up, which I tend to agree with. Uh, Secondly is the compliance costs for businesses. Florida Tax Watch has a report out that says it would be in the tens of billions of dollars over a decade in order to kind of come into compliance with the bill. And the third one, which is really the heart of the difference between the House and the Senate, is when a data breach occurs, should individuals have the right to sue companies who had the data breach or should that enforcement mechanism be contained within the attorney general? The House says a private right of action, the right of individuals to sue, should be the enforcement mechanism. The Senate says no way. They have a, a, a version that uh, has an AG enforcement. The difference between those two pieces killed the bill last session, so definitely paying attention 
into the final uh, four weeks to see what happens on that. More bills to go through with Sal News of the James Madison Institute, our legislative update on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. WFLA on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. This is crazy! And iHeart's radio station. Twenty-two minutes after the hour, a few minutes here in this segment to go through more of the legislative activity with Sal Nuzo of the James Madison Institute. Sal, Tallahassee, go. All right, Senate Bill thirteen sixteen from uh, Senator Hooper. Uh, Ticketmaster owns about eighty percent of all tickets sold in the United States, and they're kind of implementing some monopoly power over that. This bill would, uh, is aimed at loosening that grip on the market. It would establish a property right for a person for secondhand ticket sales. What you have is um, Ticketmaster basically saying you can't give or sell your ticket to uh, another person once you have it. It's something that uh, we've all bought tickets on the secondhand market. Randy Fine has it, the House version, and it's, uh, it's moving uh, pretty quickly in the Senate. HB 1557 from Joe Harding, the the Parents' Bill of Rights in Education. It's getting more and more national attention, and I thought it would be very helpful to counter what the left is doing where they call this the Don't Say Gay Bill. The bill would require schools to notify parents of critical decisions affecting a student's mental, emotional, physical health, or well-being, and unless it's determined that that notification would subject students to abuse at home. It would also limit the curriculum in K through three to, uh, it would restrict the ability uh, to discuss gender or sex or, uh, or kind of sexual identity. It is not a don't say gay bill. It is something where there was a great video that the bill sponsor put out uh, where he countered a lot of the left's narrative on this. And uh, it, it was a great kind of punch back on all of the kind of misconceptions with respect to this bill. Couple things, 74- I, I, I got to stop you there because I can sure. feel I can feel the parents welling up right now and ready to send me an email if I don't ask. Number one, who makes the determination on the relative safety of a student at home? Uh, I believe it's specifically to uh, determine whether they would be subject to physical abuse at home. Right, but who makes that determination? Does it have uh, to go before a judge? Is it the principal? I would would have to check on that. My guess is it would be the principal in that respect, but I can uh, can check the language of the bill and kind of make sure that that's the case there. And secondly, from a policy perspective, is up through third grade enough protection? Uh, you know, that's probably something that's debatable. I would probably say anything in the primary grades K through five, uh, but that's my preference uh, as someone with two daughters that have gone through uh, the public school system. Uh, but uh, they're determining that the, the, the viability of the bill making it through where it's at now is K3 is where they need to, uh, where they need to keep it. What about House Bill 7047 from Representative Garrison? Yeah, this is a big one. It would uh, adjust the state's Medicaid managed care program. There's currently 4 million Floridians in it, and our Medicaid program functions very differently than most other states. We received a waiver uh, many years back 
to implement a managed care program for Medicaid. Uh, it's worked very well. We uh, have to re-up that uh, in 2025. We have to re-bid it. Uh, so this is kind of tinkering with uh, the, the regions. It would add new services in there. Specifically, it would add cancer hospitals. One particular piece on this that's drawing some back and forth in the debate, it's how dental providers are treated in the program. Currently, they're carved out. This would mandate that they're put back in. The Florida Dental Association doesn't like that because they view this as something that's kind of a mandate on their folks. Uh, if, uh, if the bill does become law, it would make its impact in 2025 when we do rebid that contract out. Last, um, HB, yeah, yep. I was, we got time for one more. Organized retail okay. theft, what's up with that? Uh, moving full steam ahead, let me see if I can run through a few of others. HB3 from Tom Leak, the law enforcement recruitment, it's through all of its committees. Uh, HB1525, PIP repeal, it's moving but very tense, and the governor did uh, veto this last year. Senate Bill 520, the presidential search bill that would shield the initial round of applicants from sunshine. It was voted through by the full Senate. Uh, the union bill, 1203 from Flaken. It, it does look like the House is going to pass it, but I'm not seeing movement in the Senate on that. Uh, we talked about 1024 from Jen Bradley, the net metering bill. It was amended in committee to make the glide path longer to grandfather in more participants. But I see some real momentum for this moving ahead as well. All right, we'll pick up there. Joining me, Sal Nuzzo. Two more segments left on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. New mayor of Realville, dispensing information at the speed of sound. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Patiently waiting to fulfill his duties, kind enough to serve as our legislative consultant during the session each year. Sal Nuzo, a little under the weather, but. He's not He's not really phoning it in, but he kind of is here on the morning show with <laughs> Preston Scott. He is joining us by phone, but but he's a gamer bringing it. And uh, what I, should we be I'll looking at? Yeah, that's it. You, you're willing to do it wounded. What uh, should we be looking out for? Sure. A few things that we haven't talked about in prior weeks. Uh, pet store regulations, Senate Bill 994 from Senator Diaz. This is a debate about the best way to ensure that retail pet stores are not selling animals from nefarious sources, i.e. puppy mills. You have some local jurisdictions that have banned pet stores from selling dogs and cats altogether. 
what Senator Diaz's bill would do would be it would be a preemption on those bans, but it would set up a very strict regulatory mechanism to license sellers to uh, have kind of uh, make sure that they're uh, not getting their pets from uh, from pet mills, and it would provide for kind of a a system where if they are they can lose their licenses and not be able to sell them. How would anyone know? Uh, there are some ways that, I mean, the same way that they're finding out that, that some of the ones that they're, uh, where the local jurisdictions are banning them now, you have a lot of folks from like the ASPCA and others that are kind of doing investigations and finding out where these puppy mills are doing, uh, doing kind of breeding and then getting the pets to specific pet stores. And so, uh, this would... I, I know that the the idea behind the ban in local jurisdictions is very well intentioned, but I do think that this is definitely something where a statewide system can be brought to bear and solve the issue uh, across the board. That I think makes the most sense. What about nursing homes? Sure, this is one Senate Bill or House Bill twelve thirty nine and Senate Bill eight hundred four. Uh, Representative Mello and Senator Albritton. This is something where we've had the same kind of formula and staffing requirements in nursing homes for about 20 years, and they're looking to update those. You have uh, unlicensed uh, uh, participants in the process, like physical rehab uh, folks, caretakers, et cetera. They're not licensed nurses, but they do provide care. And so this is something where it would effectively reduce the staffing requirements on actual nurses, but bump up the ability or, or allow those unlicensed folks to fit into the formula. The opponents of this are claiming it would reduce standards of care. AARP is all over it. Uh, it's moving, but I would say it's a moving target. It was amended in the last Senate stop. And I don't anticipate that this would be the final language uh, before it gets uh, through the process. Um, let's see. HJR 1127 from Representative Beltran. We've talked a lot over the years about the constitutional ballot process yep. uh, and how it's kind of gone haywire. This would place an amendment on the ballot to restrict what can be placed on the ballot in future election cycles. The specific language would make uh, future amendments limited to matters relating to procedural subjects or to the structure of government or of the Constitution. So the long, uh, short version of that is they would only be able to put something on the ballot if it's something that rises to the level of needing to be in the Constitution as opposed to a basic policy thing that people are unhappy with the legislature either moving in one direction or not. So that's something that, I mean, personally, I love it. I hate the fact that our Constitution has just been kind of um, uh, gone astray over the last 20 years. And so paying a lot of attention to that. Something else uh, that we're starting to pay attention to is Senate uh, Bill 7044, also from Diaz. It's debating the accreditation process for universities in the state. Currently, uh, universities in Florida have to go through what's called SACS accreditation. It's the Southern Association of Colleges. And they do this every 10 years. And as a result of uh, kind of the way that, uh, you know, kind of SACS has kind of been viewed as getting taken over by the left or things along those lines, Senator Diaz is, is proposing that 
uh, it would res- the bill would restrict a college from using the same accreditation group in consecutive cycles. So it would open it up to other accreditation bodies. The thing that we're paying attention to is that accreditation corresponds a lot to research grants, the ability of students to get grants and loans and so forth. Sal, we are really late and the music's playing. we got to get back in a minute. Hold on. And women serving our great nation and our armed services. Those serving communities as law enforcement officers and first responders. I say you are all essential workers. Welcome to The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Coming up to 43 minutes, short segment here. And with Sal News of the James Madison Institute. Sal, what should we be looking for this week? Sure. This week, the budgets are going to be voted through by each chamber. And as I mentioned, that triggers a conference committee to reconcile the two proposals into one final budget. That process will cover the final four weeks. A few questions that I'm uh, looking to see what takes uh, where it goes. The gas tax holiday have not heard anything about it in the last couple of weeks. In addition, the governor's proposal that he wants to move illegal immigrants flown into the state to other states, as well as his big election integrity office funding. Those are three things uh, on the budget alone that I'm paying a whole lot of attention to. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of member projects in the appropriations subcommittees getting votes. Uh, And as I mentioned uh, in one of the prior segments, the organized retail theft bill should get voted on by uh, by the full Senate. There'll be a big rules committee meeting on Tuesday a slew of policy bills in their final stops, uh, financial literacy in schools, banning smoking on all public beaches. This has been a passion project of Senator Joe Bruder's for a while. Uh, and then also expanding the no solicitation list to include text messages, uh, updating that. A couple of things that I'm uh, kind of paying attention to are uh, the permanent alimony ban, cryptocurrency uh, procedures and regulations, as well as the juvenile expunction bill, uh, kind of seeing uh, seeing that kind of get through uh, the full Senate this week as well. couple random things. Just curious if you're hearing anything about it. Is there anybody dealing with the fact that all of our cell phones are getting bombed by spam and robocalls and, and calls from basically liars that are pirating other people's phone numbers and using them to try to scam us? I do believe the no solicitation log, uh, including text messages in that, will uh, help address some of that. It won't address all of it because if I found out anything about technology, uh, scammers will quickly adapt uh, their methods uh, to address whatever the regulations are and kind of move around them. But that's something that I'm paying attention to, especially in the Rules Committee meeting uh, this week. Why is it so hard, and what what difference does it make if somebody works a a way around if you've got your phone number on a don't-call list? Oh, it it, it should. It should reconcile all of the issues. But one of the things that you find is that some of these folks are using servers and in in multiple countries they're bouncing off yeah. of um, multiple you know areas and continents and so tracing them and getting uh, getting folks into uh, or kind of ar- whether it's arresting them or, or fining or bringing them to justice is just something that uh, is a little bit more difficult than than one policy bill at the state level can address. Well, feel better, my friend. We're off Monday, so we'll talk again on Tuesday next week. 
See you Tuesday. Thanks a lot, and look forward to being with you in studio again. Thank you, sir. Sal Nuzo with us from the James Madison Institute, our guest, as we uh, peel back the layers of the legislature and try to figure out what's going on, what is and isn't going on. Back with more of the Morning Show with Preston Scott. know what to tell you to do with this put that in your crack pipe and smoke it careful saying that these days (laughs) this is uh, carol adams she's a vegan feminist and author and she was invited or allowed to participate in an Oxford debate at Oxford University. The Oxford Union hosted a debate about whether society should move beyond meat in favor of an all plant based diet. And I present to the argument Ms. Adams. I believe we should move beyond all meat. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes who all just want to have fun. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat, and eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists weaponized eating meat, eggs, and dairy, and the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part of the (laughs) neo-Nazi messaging. To say you care about animals is considered a sign of weakness in a world still committed to the gender binary. Meat eaters like anti-abortionists have forgotten that one quality of non-existence is not having awareness about existence. When all else fails, meat eaters assert that animals are not our equals. I heard all your laughter. I know some of these must be new ideas or you think they're fringe or whatever. Our whiteness is part of the problem of meat eating. As, as a straight, white, Christian, gun-owning male, I'm going to go get a steak today. I got nothing. Brought to you by Barino Heating and Air. It's the Morning Show 180 on WFLA. Final moments of the show, clearly the best. No, really, I mean... It just it just doesn't get better than that. Didn't know your steak was racist now, is it? And sexist. I've, I might as well just listen to the show. You want to hear the whole show again. But, I mean, <clears throat> the assumption that the best protein comes from dead corpses is a racist belief. <laughs> How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 
your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. <laughs> I thought it came with secret sauce, maybe some ketchup and mustard. <laughs> Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. To say you care about animals is a sign of weakness in a world still committed to the gender binary. Meat eaters like anti-abortionists have forgotten that one quality of non-existence is not having awareness about existence. What? My God. My <laughs> Yeah. God. <laughs> Jeez. I, I just I'm meat apologists or neo Nazis. Meat eaters order a leg of lamb. Not a baby lamb's leg. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny was the whole statement, by the way. (sighs) Tomorrow on the program, what happens when you are shut out of what's going on in your kid's life because of the school that they attend and the teachers that are allegedly instructing them? Did you know that there are some teachers that are actually stalking students on social media looking for the opportunity to talk to them about the LGBTQ life? Tomorrow, we're going to tell you about a story of one parent and where things went really wrong. She'll be our guest in studio. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.